Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And we've got another busy show for you. We'll discuss the huge news that the Ashes could be postponed if England aren't allowed to travel with their families. And we'll look back at the opening week of the 100 where we'll be joined by Birmingham Phoenix batsman Chris Benjamin and ESPN Crick Info's George Dobell to see if he's changed his mind about the competition after last week's thoughts. As well as that, we'll speak about the recent success at Bede School with three of their students, all 16 years old, making professional debuts this summer. Plenty to get stuck into. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Well, Harmi, a lot to get stuck into, but we can't start anywhere else, surely, uh, than the news that the Ashes could be postponed it's either uh, possibly it could be postponed, it could be moved to a different country, or some of England players may just choose not to play or or, or to perhaps pay, play a part of, uh, of the Ashes. I mean, the multi-format players could be away for four or five months with the preceding tours. It's massive news. But then again, you know what? If they can postpone the Olympics, I suppose they can postpone the Ashes. Absolutely, Manners. And we said this, we said this six months ago, didn't we? On this very programme, the Critic Collective, I think you were the first person to say it, that anything's possible in this COVID world. And we are nearly at that position. I think all things are on the table. I talked about it on the breakfast show this morning. I got so much sympathy with the players. I didn't need an excuse not to go away on tour. I hated going away full stop. So I, I, I'm probably not the best person to talk about because of any any chance of saying that when we went to go back to India, it was the right thing after the terrorist attack. And I went back. But there's things, there's things that are more important and the fitness and the, the, the mental well-being of the players does come into question. And, you know, we've got, you know, Jimmy O'Hara, who never probably spent more than 
two days in a row out, outside of his house in a hotel, going into Premier League matches, just telling, telling the cricketers to suck it up and go and uh, I'll give him a fortnight on tour and he wouldn't last five minutes to be back in Ibiza, back on the beach and in the bar like he usually is. So these comments don't help, but it's just this world that we live in. It's the cricket world that we've got and we've got a cricket world which has been for, for centuries that we have gone away for long periods of time. We've gone and played in other countries for multiple test matches and that takes time. But I think probably in the middle of my career, it just changed. We're not going in for five anymore. We're going in for three. You know, we're not going into, we went into India for four as opposed to five normally. We went to Pakistan for three as opposed to five. And all these, all these tours got cut down. West Indies tour went from six to four. The Ashes will never, ever get changed, but the World Cup off the back of the Ashes got changed. And I, and I, and I said this on the breakfast show this morning. My daughter was born, my second oldest daughter, Abby, was born, um, who is 18 now. She was born on the 4th of December. I think it was the 26th or 27th of February before I've seen her for the first time. I wasn't allowed to come home because I was in the middle of the one-day series in the middle of the test matches. And I came home for four days, I think, to go back to the 2003 World Cup in Africa. That's something that's unheard of. And I think they tried to get away from that and move forward. And I think it's the right thing. Where it's going to be, how it's going to go, I'm with the players. I, I just hope that the ECB don't leave it to the players. Um, but there's going to be some brave decisions. I don't think there's anything off the table at the moment. Did they play five test matches in two different venues? Did they play in the UAE? Did they postpone it full and move it a year? That is the conundrums that I think all on the table. There's one thing that has come in recent times. The Rugby World Rugby League World Cup, first game of the, the tournament, is at St. James's Park on my birthday, the 23rd of October. And Australia have pulled out of that. Is that Australia setting a precedent? You know, basically saying, well, we're not coming over there. Is this chance for England to say, well, we're not coming over there either? You're going to have to find another solution because I think it's it's paramount importance that the names I'm thinking of, these guys are going to need their families around them because five months in the COVID world, in the bubble, is far too much to put up at one time, especially with the festivities of Christmas and New Year in the middle of it. Sorry, Harmi, I'm still digesting the fact that you didn't see Abby for the first six or seven weeks of her life. That's given no. me heartburn. It was a hard decision, but it was my decision as well. But it was still, I'd just been picked for the, if you remember, if you remember, the World Cup squad had to be, had to be announced on the 31st of December. And I got, I made my debut literally the week Abby was born. And... I had to stay. They basically said, I've got to stay because I need to... I'd never met, I'd never played any other any other cricket. And I went to the World Cup and never bowled a ball. Do you know when, when Ashajar said Stephen Finn was unselectable in Australia a few years ago? Steve Harmison was unselectable for that World Cup. I went with an injury and an ankle injury and I had a head full of broken biscuits because I'd been away for so long and everything that, the, obviously, the family situation and Abby being born and having to go back for a short period of time. The boys went to Sun City. I went home, Snowfield, uh, Newcastle. Couldn't get out of Newcastle Airport the, the day I was supposed to go. And I had four days with my daughter in, in, in the first six months of her life, nearly the first six months of her life. Them days had to change for the mental well-being of players. And I think that that, that scarred me for the rest of my touring days, to be fair. But... I, 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 that something needs to be addressed because 
I wouldn't want Ben Stokes to go through that. I wouldn't want Joe Root or anybody to go through that or his team to go through that. Vice versa, whether the Australians were coming this way, because we all look at professional sportsmen as robots and they're not. They're not. They are human beings. There's a human element to sport. That's why we love the game, because people make mistakes in life and on the field. And you have to have the players in the best mental space possible for them to fulfill their skills and their talent. And then everything else gets devalued. Confidence goes, heads go down, you lose your place, careers are on the line. All this goes with it. And I think that has to come into the equation when suits are making a decision. Now you've got to go. You know, four months, you've got to go. Take the Jamie O'Hara stance. Yeah, you've got to go and suck it up. Well, I think the players have got enough power now with all the cricket that's and the money financial that's going around the world. They can say, you know what? Nah, stick it. You go. And I think if Ben Stokes did that, I'd back him up 100%. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Well, you mentioned Jamie O'Hara earlier, Harmy. Let's hear now from England spinner Don Bess, who's been speaking to him and Darren Goff over on TalkSport. It's always a dream come true when you either put the three lions on the shirt. And for me to be back in, back and involved with it, I think um, I'm, I'm just looking really forward to it. Obviously, it was a, it was a pretty tough winter. Um, one, one great experience, though, something that I look back now with a lot of positives in terms of my game, but I'm so excited now to get back involved, um, getting amongst it. Well, you t- listen, Dom, I mean, you've had a good start to your test career. To, um, let, let, let's be honest about it. You, you put in some good performances, taken some wickets, but you did find it tough, didn't you, in Indo mentally, especially when they left you out. Um, you've talked openly uh, about that. But since you've come back to Yorkshire this year, you've talked about your game's gone to another level. Seven for 43 against North Ants, career best. So it's gone well for you this year, hasn't it? And you must be excited, but you're, you're back part of the test squad again. Exactly that, Goffey. I think um, me going, obviously, to a new club as well, signing up to a Yorkshire, I know there's expectation there, as you would know. Um, and you know what? It's been the best thing for me to play um, games in April when it's snowing and things like that. I think it's been a new experience for me, but something that I, I really cherish. And I think, like I said, um, I've certainly had to improve. I certainly had to um, develop on a couple of things, certainly my processes, how I go about it. And I think that's just coming, coming right now. And I think in terms of the way I think about it now, the fact that I wasn't really looking, looking too far ahead and, and this has now come up, I think I'm just full of excitement. I remember making my debut and just having so much buzz and opportunity about it. I think this summer and the way it's gone for me, it's, brought me right back to my processes and then obviously enjoying it and and obviously things like this um, have come about. Yeah, uh, look, Dom, obviously you're back part of the test and you'll be part of the test series. Is, is there pressure now because it's an Ashes year? You look, Do you look towards that? I mean, an Ashes, uh, yeah, I, I get goosebumps thinking about the Ashes. I think grow up, any cricketer that you grow up, you have dreams about doing that. For me, though, it's making sure that I do things day in, day out. And I don't think you can look too far ahead in terms of when you're playing against India and the side that they've got. I think if you look too far ahead, um, well, things, things might not pan out. So, of course, of course, um, you know, it's an Ashes, an Ashes year because there's obviously a lot of hype about it. Um, and it is, it's a dream come true if you get on that plane and obviously you play. But like I said, I've got five test matches 
potentially against India that I've got to get stuck into. Well, it's a rock and roll tour. Let me assure you, um, when you get out to Australia, it's uh, it absolutely is a fantastic tour to be part of. And I think what's upsetting uh, quite a few listeners, though, Dom, is but there is talk about some of the England players um, not going because of the time they've spent in a bubble. You'll know about that because you've been part of that bubble uh, for so long. You must have some sympathy for them as, uh, as well because they've been away for long periods of time and some players deal with it better than others. 100%. Um, obviously, being a test specialist at the moment, I know it's tough just doing the test stuff, let alone one day as T20s involved with that. And then you've got the franchise cricket as well with the IPLs, the PSLs. The guys that obviously are multi-format players, it's so much time they're spending away from the families. And I, I actually really do credit the ECB, um, the captains, obviously Morgs has been the one-day captain, Ruti is the test captain. The way they've dealt with squads, again, it's given other opportunities to other lads, but also the most important thing, it's given cricketers and time, uh, cricketers like who play all three forms, actually time at home, spending with their families for them to be able to then, when they do get get put back in, um, they can perform because it is it's such a tough it is such a tough life in terms of the bubble life. You you play, you go to the hotel room, you play, you train. That's all you do. You, you're not allowed to see anyone. It's only you lot. Um, I I certainly found it hard in India. Um, let alone, and that was just one series. Let alone three or four. Yeah, I mean, look, we we, we listened to Harmy talking about potentially moving the Ashes to the UAE. Is that something you'd be happy with? Personally, well, if it spins, it might. I might be quite happy. With it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> might I'm, spin a bit more than Perth, yeah. <laughs> but I think the real reason you play Ashes cricket is you play it at home against England or you play it away at Australia. And you, like you said, you have the challenges where it doesn't spin and it probably bounces. Well, it's probably a tennis ball bounce where you don't really experience it back home. And that's the whole challenge of it. And to win away... Well, it goes beyond, obviously, it's the dreams, what you want. Um, I think there's one thing, winning it at home in front of your fans, but to then do it away in front of the Aussie fans, I think it would be be more than you dream of. Just one last one on the series coming up, the the other insurance series, uh, Dom. I mean, it is India. They are a fantastic side. Uh, They lost the World Test Championship final to New Zealand, who deserve to win that. The challenges you're going to face against India on home soil. Yeah, I mean, we see we've seen that squad um, go to Australia and um, I guess turn over the Aussies in there, and we know how hard that is. The fact that they can they can go to any sort of I guess environment conditions and still really really compete shows how good their squad is. You looked at the that Test Championship final and they were competing all the way. Um, again, New Zealand are a fantastic side, so. It's going, to be, it's going to be an amazing series. Um, it's just nice that we're playing them, I guess, in our conditions than theirs after experiencing it this winter. And the fact that we've got Jimmy and Brody and all these sort of bowlers, I think, um, yeah, I'd like to think we've got a pretty good chance. That's England spinner Don Bess speaking to Talk Sport yesterday. So Nick Hockley overnight, who's the chief executive of Cricket Australia, was talking about having watched the likes of Wimbledon and the Euros and seeing 60-plus thousand people at Wembley. Uh, he's talking about um, COVID passports. I mean, he's talking with, 
with some optimism about the ashes going ahead. We have to remember as well, it's complicated by the fact that Australia is such a federal system. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, you've got New South Wales and Victoria next to each other and, and they've got completely different lockdown systems. And, and Western Australia, of course, is like another country. Um, Queensland uh, is a, a little bit more liberal, I think, a bit more relaxed. So some kind of combination of, as you said, playing the Ashes in, in limited venues and, and, and Cricket Australia saying to Western Australia, OK, um, well, if you're going to be that militant about um, lockdown and, and, and COVID, then, um, then we won't bring, come and play a test match there. And you can keep the new, brand new 50,000 seat Perth Stadium and we'll go and play somewhere else. That's the impression that I'm getting from Australia, that there is a real desperation of will to make it happen. The problem amongst many is that the vaccine rollout has been so poor in Australia. Mm. Only 13% of the adult population have been vaccinated, unlike Europe and the UK. Yeah, and it, it, like you mentioned the federal state and different different areas of different rules and different lockdowns. And that is, I don't see that being too big of a problem to overcome in a way that then the governing body, the sporting governing body, then has to take it out of the government governing body and saying, right, well, we're just not coming to your area. We're just not going to come to your area. We're going to come to an area where we can make this safe. Because the Ashes is, yes, it's it's historical, it's it's institutionalised. We we need to play the Ashes. And, if the, and I'm sure the suits can find a way of doing it to make sure that everybody is as happy as they possibly can. Not everybody is going to be happy in this situation. The COVID world we live in now for the last two years, we've had to compromise. We look at cricket that's going on around the world at the minute. Some of the things that are happening would be unheard of in other in other times. Moving games 24 hours, staying in different venues, you know, locking down, all that stuff. We've been flexible and I think we've been brilliant, our sport. I just think we need a little bit of, not relaxation, because I don't think you can be, re- you don't, you, you can't relax with regard to COVID. COVID is... You know, it's such a serious thing. But I think you can put you can put measures in place to make sure you go into one one area state which is safe and secure and well, stay there, play for a little bit, come out of there, go into another one, and do exactly the same thing. And they find the best way possible. That's why they're going to the UAE to play the IPO. Probably can do it in Australia. There will be a way of doing it. And I think it's about compromising both sides to make sure that everybody can be as happy as possible to get the ashes on. If they can't, would it be such a bad thing to postpone it for a year? I don't think so. Like you said before, postponed Olympics. Why can't they do the ashes as well? Reverse scoop. Reverse scoop for how many? Reverse scoop. Netflix. Netflix. What is that? Where is Benjamin? Seriously, you were playing second team cricket a while ago. You're reverse scooping it for six. Gives himself room, goes hard. Chris Benjamin, you are making a name for yourself. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. As you heard, there was a memorable debut for Birmingham Phoenix batsman Chris Benjamin, who smashed 24 off 15 balls. It was the manner in which he did it, though, to help his side beat the London spirit in the opening game of the competition. And I'm delighted to say uh, that Chris joins us live on the show now. Chris, one of my favourite stories, uh, one of my, my favourite aspects of, of sport is the overnight sensation, which actually took 
10 years in the making, not 10 years in your case, but it was funny. I mean, you burst onto the scene. You didn't have a contract a month ago. We'll look back at some of the highlights of the last month. But one of the first things you said afterwards is actually it's been three years you've been waiting for this chance. Yeah, um, obviously Friday night was a special evening, but it has been something I've really been working hard towards and sort of the last two, three weeks has been a complete whirlwind how everything's happened so quickly. So no, it has been incredible. And Chris, you, you, you say it's, it's incredible. You know, fantastic crowd, new atmosphere, new game. Even, even the great Kevin Peterson got excited. And how, how did you take praise from that? And, and from that, obviously, Kevin was one of my former colleagues and, 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 and his path into English cricket, a bit similar to yourself. Did you look at somebody like Kevin and think, you know what? chances in South Africa aren't going to be this is a, a, an avenue through and look what Kevin did in the career the stellar career he had and something to emulate yeah definitely Kevin sort of the path he's taken is definitely someone I've looked up to the way he's played the game the way he's put bowlers under pressures also something I've tried to do and base my game off so yeah he's definitely been an idol and then obviously watching the highlights after the game with his commentary was, was pretty cool. Gave me a few goosebumps to see him commentating on myself playing. So no, that was also pretty cool. That's what the hundred's about, isn't it? You know, you've got a chance to play with Liam, Liam Livingston, who's making an overnight sensation as well from international and also the likes of Mo and Ali. How's it been the concept of the hundred and also sharing dressing rooms with players who have been playing for international cricket and, and trying to look up to them? No, it's been it's been awesome exposure for myself. When I first found out that I was going to be drafted in for the Phoenix as an injury replacement, I just knew and saw it as a great learning opportunity, especially having the likes of Mo and Ali and Liam Livingston in the side. Uh, played a lot for England. Uh, Mo played all three formats and Liam of late sort of bursting onto the scene. So to share the change room, to learn from the likes of them, as well as Imran Tayer, who's played T20 cricket around the world, has been incredible. And then, yeah, getting to know... The new formats has been a little bit interesting at times, just getting used to the five five ball overs, two overs before you change ends, uh, but very similar to T20 in many respects. Uh, so it's been good. You had a very classical background in, in cricket uh, growing up. I mean, you just played um, standard formula, red ball cricket. Um, and it's only in recent years that you've, um, well, you've obviously perfected the scoop. <laughs> you might be mm. one of the best in the in the hundred at that. Um, but it's just in recent years, hasn't it, that um, you've turned your attention to adaptation and, and, and learning new shots. I mean, you've been compared to Joss Butler, so no pressure there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, definitely growing up, there was a lot more time spent playing red ball cricket, even sort of schoolboy 50-over games uh, or provincial games, 50-over games were played with the red ball. So there's obviously a different art um, in that. And the last sort of three years with my with being in the UK, there's been a lot more time playing red ball, apologies, white ball cricket. And I've loved that. It's allowed me to be a lot more positive, a lot more counter-attacking. And yeah, developed a few more, few more shots, which has also helped. I've got to ask you about your uh, university career. I mean, you studied at Durham. You've emerged with a first, a first in finance and accounting which um, just makes my hair stand off the back of my neck in the same way that your scoop shot does. Um, and you, you, you built your cricket career concurrently by, while getting your, your first your degree. It's, um, 
astonishing. Is it true that you were having to write exams like in the early hours of the morning? Yeah, that is true. Um, so as I said, it's obviously been a couple of years working, just trying to get that opportunity to sort of get a place in a team, get some coaches to back me. And thankfully, I found that with Warwickshire. So a lot of credit to the likes of Ian Westwood, Mark Robinson, Paul Farbrace for sort of picking me up and giving me the opportunity. So very grateful for that. And then there were one or two exams when I was still trialling. Uh, we had four-day games and... For example, started on the Monday, but then I had an exam on the Wednesday and ended up writing it after the day's play, but only finished in the early mornings. I just I want to, I, I said we'd mentioned your last month. You know, that first of all, you, you won the, the second 11 T20 tournament as captain. Um, it was in Arundel, wasn't it? Um, yeah, some of the innings that you played there, I mean, 149 off 66 balls, <laughs> pretty good going. But, <laughs> but then... Um, you know, it was a couple of weeks ago. You helped get the Birmingham Bears into the quarterfinals of the T20 Blast. You made your List A debut. <laughs> made another 50 there. I mean, the, the last month is, well, Harmy said whirlwind. I mean, have your feet touched the ground? <laughs> I still have to sort of pinch myself to see I'm not in a dream. It has been a, a special last month form-wise. It's obviously been going pretty nicely for myself. But the most important thing is I've been able to get the team over the line in a few cases. And I think the way I always like to play is put the team first, what they need, and then your personal performances take care of yourself. Um, as that just takes the pressure off yourself. If you put the focus on what the team needs, um, there's not really that much self-pressure as such. So I think that can be accredited to some of my success. And just quickly, the wicket-keeping stocks are pretty... Um, heavy at Warwickshire, uh, you're either going to have to play as a batsman or learn to bowl some dirty leg spin. Yeah. Uh, well, the latter is definitely very unlikely. So, um, yeah, I'll have to either play as a batsman or force my way in um, as a better keeper, really. What do you expect to come from you know, the rest of the 100 now? You've had a, a sample size, you, you say. Yeah, Chris, you, you've trying to learn the different things that's coming. Um, now you've had two games. Oh, I'm not sure if you've had two games. You've, had, you've seen what's what's been going, what's been going on around you. Is there anything you thought might help now that you didn't think at the start going forward and the, obviously your goals at the end um, of the competition and where you, where you not only want Birmingham to be, but you want Chris Benjamin to be? Competition's still very new. Um, there's obviously been a lot on each side having some world-class spinners um, with some dry wickets. So that's definitely an area of focus. I like to take pride in myself with putting a lot of pressure back on the bowlers, um, not really one to let the spinner bowl to me. Um, so I'll definitely look to keep being aggressive there, nice, positive, brave shots. And yeah, it will be great for us to make semifinals, make the finals of the Birmingham Phoenix. And just from a personal point of view, just to keep putting in performances wherever I get the chance, um, whether it be down the order, in the field, to get us there. And then hopefully do well enough to be able to be drafted again next season. Zach Crawley, just finally, Zach Crawley admitted that uh, all they knew about you was that uh, you could you could play the scoop. Uh, well, it's funny that you played the scoop brilliantly and then you hooked one over square leg for six and then drove a wide Yorker through mid-off. So... You're clearly not a one-trick pony. <laughs> yeah, there's been, a, there's been a lot said about my scooping ability, but it's definitely the shot I probably play the least. 
um, and only really gets played when the field's set accordingly. So yeah, I like I like to go down the ground, and the short ball is a firm favourite. I guess having grown up in South Africa, like many top order batsmen, it's a preferred shot. So no, just glad glad the scoops come off, and yeah, more than happy if they want to keep putting fielders at third man and fine leg, and I can go down the ground. Well, I suspect you won't be making use of your accountancy degree uh, for <laughs> in in the near future. Uh, no, hopefully in the near future we can keep going with cricket. Absolutely, absolutely loving the journey at the moment. Yeah, just keep taking it day by day, working hard, trying to get better, trying to learn from this incre- incredible group of players uh, we've got here. And then hopefully we do well with the Phoenix and then on to the Blast quarterfinals. And then we'll see from there what the rest of the summer holds. Brilliant. Thanks for your time, Chris. Well played. Thanks for the entertainment. Thank Cheers, you very Chris. Much, Chris. Thank you. Let's hear from another man competing in the 100 this year, and that's London spirit batsman Zach Crawley. And ahead of the tournament, he caught up with our reporter, Scott Taylor. So, Zach, thanks for speaking to TalkSport. Firstly, it looks very nice behind you. Just uh, tell us what you've been up to today and, and where are you? Uh, I'm at Wimbledon Cricket Club, just outside um, the grounds of the Wimbledon Tennis um, Association. And we've been, I've been filming some stuff for Lifeboy today and... Um, and doing a bit of media stuff, and it's, yeah, it's been it's been a fun day. All building up to the the hundred, of course, which starts on Wednesday. How excited are you for a new franchise tournament in England? Yeah, massively excited. I mean, it's a, it's a new tournament, something that we no one's ever seen before. So, um, you know, that's that's the most exciting thing for me, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes and how the people react to it. Is it a bit of a dampener? I, I know playing Test cricket for England is probably the pinnacle, but is it a bit of a dampener for for you guys that you probably, if selected for the India series? you only get to play the first two games. Yeah, it's a real shame. I'd love to have been able to do both. But, you know, um, you know, test cricket is something that I've always wanted to do. So, And obviously it comes first. So, um, you know, I'm really excited about that series. Um, but like I say, it's a real shame that you can, you know, play more games in, the, in this new tournament. And London Spirit, you've got the likes of Shane Warne and, and Owen Morgan, one past legend, one, one current legend of the game. So that must be good for you to go into that dressing room with those sort of players. Yeah, that's awesome. That's one of the great things about this tournament. You, you get these coaches and great players and you get to play with them and against them. And, um, you know, I was looking to learn as much as I can from these people. And, um, you know, it'd be, yeah, it's awesome. COVID is still still around. So is there a concern? Have you been told as players to be more cautious in case there is an outbreak? Because unlike county cricket, there is no academy. There is no second team for a 100 franchise. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a COVID officer in each team and um, we've definitely been told to you know, be careful. And set, we've been told places we can't go and to stay outside in big groups if we're going to be in, you know, and things like that and all the, the usual protocols. So they're trying to keep it, you know, running smoothly and we don't want anything like, you know, that we've seen recently in, in county groups. Some sides have been, been wiped out. And how's it been for you the last couple of weeks? So going from test cricket to then suddenly called up to play ODI cricket, now playing 100, having a bit of T20 as well. It's been a bit of a blast for you. Yeah, it's been a it's been a hectic couple of weeks, but I've, I've absolutely loved it. I mean, the the ODI stuff was a, it was a dream, and um, you know, and that came through. That was awesome, and um, you know, play blast and have a bit of fun there, and now into the hundred. And like you said, the test before, it's been a proper mix, but um, you know, I enjoyed it, and that's that's the reason. That's what I wanted to happen, so I'm glad it has happened. Looking ahead to the to the new series, are you worried that you haven't had the the Red Bull practice? you'd like or is it a case of just playing yourself into form no matter what format really 
Yeah, definitely the latter. I feel like um, it's very much a mental game. You know, I've played enough Red Bull cricket now to, to squeeze back into my, you know, my technique and my rhythm. So that, that, that doesn't bother me. And um, we've got a, a good, um, you know, good week and we can a bit build up to that series. So, uh, and I feel in really good touch and that doesn't change across the formats. If you're in good touch, you're in good touch. So hopefully I can continue into the test. England batsman Zach Crawley speaking to TalkSport's Scott Taylor there. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you listened to last week's show, you'll remember ESPN Crick Info's chief writer, George Dobell, had some strong opinions on the 100. But has he changed his mind? We'll find out next here on TalkSport 2. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including... England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. don't think I can come off the cricket pitch more pleased with a loss. Genuinely, it was just the most electric atmosphere. I've never played in front of a crowd like that before. In terms of a new tournament with new rules, a lot of nerves around the group, a lot of unknown. You know, I couldn't be proud of the girls, I couldn't be proud of our performance and... It was just an amazing night for women's cricket. It felt like it was almost a perfect night for what the tournament needed to open. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can listen back to the podcast, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get uh, your podcasts. Right, I'm delighted to say that by popular demand and after a wonderful... um, appearance on the Cricket Collective last week. He is back. ESPN Crick Info's chief writer, George Dobell, joins us once again, as I said, by popular demand, because he was um, 
He was forthright in his views last week about the 100. He's been to a couple of games now. Um, he's, uh, he's seen the... Um, and he's, he wrote a brilliant story about uh, Chris Benjamin and his debut for Birmingham Phoenix. So has that and any other aspect of the tournament changed your views, George? I think so. But you see, I don't see a conflict between enjoying the cricket, enjoying the format even, enjoying the game, and being concerned about the consequences of the format and the game. Does that make sense? Because I think that some people do think there's a conflict, that they see it as a black and white thing, that they almost think, you know, county supporters maybe sometimes think I'd be disloyal if I say the format is fine and not a problem. But um, there's definitely some good about the 100. I think actually it's been a really good for women's cricket. Uh, and actually the women's cricket is dragging the men's competition along with it a bit. So, no, I don't think it's particularly changed my mind because I hope I didn't come across last time as saying, you know, the cricket will be rubbish, it'll all be hopeless and all the rest of it. I've been to the games, yeah, and I've enjoyed the games and I don't see that as a problem, no. No, George, you didn't. I'm sorry if I, I created that impression. You said... No, no, that, you probably that it was. You said last week that it is basically a game of cricket, uh, and you like games of cricket. And, you know, yeah. bowling a cricket ball and hitting a cricket ball, that's all good. Um, and you didn't have any problem with the five ball over? Why should you? We've had four and eight ball overs in the history of cricket. But it was the, it was the placement and the danger it posed to the 18-county structure and various other... You basically, this week, in your follow-up piece, to summarise, you said... Could the organisers please just tell us the truth and stop spinning it? Yeah, well, that would be really helpful. I don't think um, I don't think the BBC have had a great tournament. To be honest with you, I feel bad saying that. I have lots of friends who work there, and I, you know, I'm chairing the cricket writers' club. But yeah, I think that it is their role as well as you know, celebrating the game and the format in which they've invested in, also to just tell the truth. And the attendances for the men's games have not been better for the last, and so therefore, all you've got is the same people going to slightly different games, cannibalising the audience at this stage. Um, and you wouldn't know that to watch the BBC, because I think that they have breathlessly excited cheerleaders. Uh, and I think that's disappointing. I actually think Sky have covered it much better. But that's a, a kind of a separate point. I, I guess what's happened is that uh, attitudes have become so entrenched that uh, people don't feel able to maybe give an honest answer. I am trying to, but listen... You know, matters some some of the reactions I've had have not been at all positive. Um, you know, some people think I'm just stuck in the past and all the rest of it. Like, hey, they might be right. Uh, I could be wrong, of course. Lots of precedent for that. Uh, but it's again and again I come back to what's the cost, and I worry about the long-term cost of the county game. And I think you've damaged the county game. You damage the spread of cricket across the country. So I, I would argue that there are good practical reasons for remaining concerned. But, but as we look at it now, we're still pretty pretty early days, aren't we? It hasn't been, I don't think, an outright failure by any means. And I don't think it's been an outright success. So I'm not sure where that leads us. And I'm not sure what will happen in, ye in the years to come. So I I I've got a couple of theories. One, I think they'll add teams. I think it'll cover 10 and then maybe 12 teams on the petition. Uh, and I think long-term that will make life very difficult for the counties who aren't in. And maybe the format will change to a different one. I, I just can't see the rest of the world thinking, you know what, we're going to undermine our T20 competition with this 100 format. Well, why? Why would they do that? So I, I still wonder whether the T10 format might be the one to look at because I look at the Olympics 
And I think that might be the way they go with that because it allows you to involve more teams. And to have an Olympic sport, you need to be playing at the level first. So I wonder whether T10 might be the format. And also, that would help them fit it in the window. And George, you do, I'm, I'm with you. I, I agree. I don't think this format goes around the world. I don't think it fits in with a lot of side, like the countries that just have smaller states, smaller first-class counties or coach states and whatever that comes with it. So I'm with you. I've been surprised on how well it's been received. I didn't think it would be as received as well as it it has done. Is there anything you think that we've missed out? We could have, now we're like, everybody's played nearly two games. Is there something you think we could improve the 100 going forward? Uh, yeah, there's a couple of things, but I generally think it's been uh, decent because if go back to basics, cricket's a good game, very good players playing it, uh, and it's some of it's been on free-to-air. But there's lots to like there, isn't there? And I would argue that if you've done the same thing with Blast, you've got to the same end, you know, just show good games on TV and people fall in love with the cricket. Why wouldn't they? And But, uh, you know, I don't want to be negative about it. There's a lot to like, Steve, as you said. Yeah, moving on from, from the 100, the story's overnight. I'm doing a breakfast show this morning talking about the Ashes. Can you see the Ashes either being postponed or something unheard of, like possibly being moved to a different country just to make sure that, yeah, the Ashes goes ahead and everybody's not everybody's going to be happy, but it's a compromise that keeps the Ashes alive? I think everything's possible in the scenario we're in, I'm afraid. I think everything's possible. Uh, I think they've got real trouble if players aren't allowed to put their families. That, that is, and I don't blame the players. I don't think they've been spoiled or anything like that. I, and I applaud the ECB trying to look after them. It's, you know, it's one of those situations, it's no one's fault. You can understand it from Australia's point of view. You can understand it from the players. You can understand it from the ECB's point of view. So all the scenarios you outlined, definitely possible. I suspect the Ashes go ahead. And I think it's, it's very possible that England will have to continue to rest and rotate. And I know that's a shame. I know that people will be outraged. But I'm afraid if you look at the options, and that's probably the right thing to do, can't put these guys in hotels away from their family. So um, I think they'll find a way to get a play, don't you? But uh, I'm afraid there won't be spectators. George, Australia are only allowing 3,000 people a month to into their borders, aren't they? So, um, yeah, I mean, that, the, the idea that the England players and management's families and children will be uh, given special privileges to be amongst those 3,000. That will probably cause outrage in, uh, amongst Australians. There are many around the world who've been waiting months and months and months just to get home. What, what's, your, what's your ideal compromise? I mean, it's, it's just not my place to say, is it? But, I mean, there is a financial reason play in this series, isn't there? I, I mean, I do think, you know, Cricket Australia is facing a really difficult moment if you don't get the Ashes here as players. And no doubt they'll all, all already be facing lots of problems because of the cost of putting it on the lack of crowds. A negotiated agreement whereby, you know, everyone going as part of the English party has been jabbed twice doesn't seem possible. Uh, you know, if, if the ECB paid for the planes, which I'm sure they will, if they pay for the accommodation, I, you know, it's not my place to say what Australian taxpayer, how they react, is it? But, but it's just not, is it? And, and, and you could get it if they're very frustrated. There are no right answers. I've got no criticism at all for the ECB. George, many thanks indeed for your time. If we get you on next week, we'll pay you a, a co-hosting fee, all right? <laughs> I'm so sorry that I'm doing it in such a ramshackle way, but nice to see you guys. And I got quite a lot of feedback from, uh, from last week.
It did. Yeah, very good no, but, feedback. But I did, I did say, well, I got a lot of feedback, and, I, and it wasn't all good by any means, but uh, I went to the BBC as well and got that, almost nothing, so there you are. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. And in the final part of the show, we'll celebrate the success at Bede's School with three of their students, all 16 years old, having made their professional debuts this season. We'll discuss that next. You're listening to the Cricket Collective with the Institute of Cricket. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And in the final part of the show, we'll discuss the week's other cricket stories. But first, it's time to hear from Paddy Smith, a coach at Bede's School, uh, after their three students, Dan Ibrahim, Archie Lenham and Alice Capsey, have all made their professional debuts this summer. Early on, I spoke to him about the success of the school. Yeah, I mean, it's been fantastic to watch seeing kids that you're involved with on a daily basis make that step up and, and not only just be involved at that level, but also do really well at the same time. So good to see. I guess right from the word go when I arrived at Beads, um, you could tell that they obviously have a great program in place. Um, as you mentioned, Alan Wells, the Sussex legend, and, you know, he's made the, the transition to coaching with a plum, really. Um, really good philosophy you know he really lets the youngsters sort of dictate their own path um, and um, and he just is there really as a guide or facilitator um, so you know I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Beads produce one or two more uh, quality young cricketers in the years to come. Oh but Paddy young cricketers I mean we're talking 16 year olds here that's what is doing my head in I, you know that that, I mean, how are they not intimidated? Not only have they stepped onto the biggest stage, but they've performed so extraordinarily, all three of them. What, what are you and Alan doing? What are you saying to them that makes them so unafraid of failure? Yeah, I, I guess that's the key, Neil, just, just to, to, to take them away from that fear, fear of failure and sort of reframe failure as actually quite a positive thing. So failing just gives you another opportunity to learn. Um, and as soon as you reframe it in that aspect and, and not have, you know, not attach negative consequences to that failure, I think it frees the kids up a great deal more. And, and coaching has moved on a lot from, you know, from, from the past where, you know, failures were punished and, um, you know, players were, were afraid of being dropped, um, you know, if they fail. But I think what Alan's doing really well there is, that's not the case there's each player's got a path each player's got uh, what they need to work on and, and as long as the attitude is right as long as they're putting in the effort um, then failures are seen as a positive thing and and um, you know and an area of growth and I think that's where they where Alan and, and the rest of the coaching staff are getting things right okay that's the mental side of it clearly you must have some very good facilities there <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're world class. Uh, they really are. Like a great indoor facility. So, um, as soon as the whatever lockdown we were in in the winter was lifted, we're back in the indoor facilities. And and Alan has a very clear plan about when he does, you know, certain drills with the players, um, at what at particular times. So, the structure is there. The kids know what the plan is going to be, which I think that that security. 
um, just gives them the freedom to work on their own game. Um, you know, there, there's no uncertainty whatsoever. And then there's a lovely out, outdoor facility as well, uh, cage, batting cages for, for the turf uh, wickets, as well as a great uh, astro turf facility for, you know, for when we can't use the turf. And um, yeah, that's, it's, it's all really pulled together nicely. So is it just a freak? That there have been these three 16-year-olds who have played at, uh, you know, that played at first class and uh, and and list A level. Or in the time you've been there, would you say with some confidence that there will be more to come? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, we, you know, there've been a number of other cricketers also who've, who've come through the school that are that are representing, um, you know, their counties. Or, or in the case of uh, Shay Hope uh, playing for the West Indies as well. Um, so it's definitely a, a school that has attracted some quality cricketers, um, and I think, you know, as as you see more more young, talented, um, hardworking cricketers come through the system, I think that attracts more and more. Um, so I think it's you know it's it started the virtuous circle, if you will. Um, once you get the setup right, and once you start producing cricketers, you go on to achieve success on a high level. Um, you're only going to attract more and more talent. And so the circle will continue. I wondered um, actually what the rest of the kids like uh, have been like at school watching the success of, of those three. I mean, has it um, clearly it's a massive cricket playing school, but uh, to have three 16 year old um, heroes, I, I guess. And also, what have they been like when they came back to school? No, you wouldn't actually know that they, they've just gone on and, and, performed well at the at provincial level they they're, they're so down to earth and humble which is really the you know for me the biggest credit to those three obviously very confident in their own abilities but in the classroom or walking around campus um, you never know that you know dan had just gone out and scored 250s in, in county championship or archie taking a hat full of wickets um, i haven't seen alice yet obviously we we're on holiday at, at the moment um, but i have no doubt that she's going to come back to school in september um, ready to crack on and, and get even better. Um, and, and as for, for their peers, nothing but support, really. Um, you know, they get on well with their teammates. Um, and at the moment, um, it's just a really, really good environment to be a part of. Great stuff. Thank you for, for your time, Paddy, and enjoy the rest of the summer, hey? Yeah, and you, Manners. Cheers. Enjoy. That was Paddy Smith uh, talking to me a little earlier. Three 16-year-olds, I neglected to mention that in the introduction, three 16-year-olds. And it's one thing for a 16-year-old to take to a professional stage, um, but they've all performed. That's the most extraordinary thing. Um, you know, first of all, we had Archie Denham taking wickets in the Vitality T20 Blast. Dan Ibrahim then with a couple of uh, first-class half-centuries and um, a magnificent performance from Alice Capsey the other day to... Uh, Take the uh, take her hundred team to uh, victory, uh, the Oval Invincibles. Um, just uh, it is incredible, Harmy. I mean, you know, like we were talking off air, one sixteen-year-old or two sixteen-year-olds to make their professional debuts in a season that doesn't happen very often. But three, all from the same school. It's 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 phenomenal. To be fair, and you you, you couldn't you couldn't write it and. The way they they must have so much belief in their their teachers, you know, the Alan Wells, director of cricket, Paddy himself, you know, everything that they must be teaching must be to give the kids the best chance, and the kids are believing it. 
And the kids are believing that the coaches are saying the right things, sending the right messages, taking away a lot of fear of failure. But to go and do it on a big stage, and I, I've not seen much of Dan from a leg spinning point of view, Archie Lennon, uh, sorry, the runs point of view, and Archie Lennon with the with the leg spin. But I watched I watched young Alice, and I was amazed. Honestly, I was in awe and amazed at how easy the game she made she made the game look. She was amazing. I was like sitting there and I've got daughters around about a similar age and I, I just couldn't comprehend on how simple she made the game. If it was just outside of stump, she hit it over the top of extra cover. If it was on middle stump, she hit it over the top of mid-wicket. It was, it was on straight, she hit it down the ground. I thought she was brilliant, absolutely fantastic. And I, I've said it many times and I will say it time and time again and I won't get sick of saying it. I think the 100 is going to be better for the women's game than it is for the men's game on profile and getting more exposure to women's cricket, more exposure to young players or even even the older England players uh, to play at a, at a higher intensity under bigger pressure. But you're 16 going into a 100 game in front of a decent crowd on TV and you perform like that, boy, the future's, the future's good. And for somebody like Alan Wells, who's director of cricket, well, Wells, he was... He was in that group and that generation of Sussex players who have gone on to be very, very good coaches. I worked with Peter Moores, fantastic coach at that middle level, first-class level. The likes of Mark Robinson, Alan Wells himself, um, Grubby Greenfield, Chris Adams, all these guys who have, who have gone on to coach it around the circuit. So something in the air at Sussex. But Alice, she's going to be a superstar and good luck to her. Congratulations, Alice. You were absolutely fantastic. A couple of minutes left in the show and lots more to talk about. There's been further postponements of international cricket, Australia, the West Indies and Sri Lanka and India. What else has caught your mind around the world? The obvious one is young Hamid. He's got a runs against India, even though it was an India side who looked as though they were basking in the sunshine of Chesley Street but still bowling in two or three jumpers. And I know how that feels, I must admit. When the sun is out at Durham, don't be fooled. It's not always 20 degrees. It's normally about 10 or 11. Um, and I think I think that sends a message to the England camp. And then he's gone and backed it up again with a, a 50 over 100, which is, I think, which is great. Puts pressure on the top order, which is what we want. Do I see the top order changing for England? I think he's might have just put a little spanner in the works. We had Dom Sibley. I want Zach Crawley to play. I really do. So it would be it'd be at the expense of Sibley. Whether England have got whether they've got it in him to leave them out for the first Test match to bring him in, to bring somebody in who has has got runs recently, but is not being somebody that's been ridiculously prolific and has had an indifferent time over the course of the last two or three years of his career. I think you might want to see Hamid get some more runs, but they might chuck him back in. Robinson's back in the squad, but I don't see him playing. Uh, it's going to be Broad, it's going to be Anderson, and possibly one more. The worrying sign for me is there's no Mark Wood so far with the 100, whether the ECB are just trying to keep him for that first Test match. I hope they are. I hope there's nothing, anything untoward underneath that, um, because that would be a huge concern with no Jofra Archer, no Ollie Stone, um, England need a fast man to play against India, in my honest opinion. Um, and we'll probably see Broad and Anderson and Jimmy will hopefully go past Daniel Cumbler to be the third leading wicket taker of all time. So I think he just needs three. So it's going to be, I've enjoyed the 100. I'm like George. It can be embraced. It doesn't have to be, 
you know, kicked and knocked and everything that goes. I think there is a place for it. Um, it's a happy balance finding which way it is, but it'll be interesting for me, the 100, when we see it without the England players in, because bearing in mind, there was a lot of people pulled out of the 100. There was a lot of COVID stuff that's come with the 100. And next week, there's going to be 18 absolute superstars going to come out of the 100. So let's see where we are in a week's time or two weeks' time from that point of view. But I can't wait for this Indian Test Series to start because I think it's going to be a cracker. And just confirmation that Washington, Sunder, Avish Khan and Shubman Gill all ruled out of the series um, with uh, various injuries. I don't know whether it's uh, because the television I have in my man cave is about uh, 20 years old, but the, the new souped-up graphics and the hundred don't fit on the screen on the tv yeah <laughs> i know what you mean yeah i've I got one of them the score is. i've got one of them tvs as well i've got <laughs> one of them tvs as well but it seems to make kevin peterson talk faster and louder i'm not sure if your television is the cm1 <laughs> yeah he's he seems to be going on he's going on supercharged with 100 and fair play to him yeah i think the commentary's been good and with george don't want to take sides or anything on how the different broadcasters have done it but I think I think the hundred's been I think it's been very very well done from a broadcasting point of view. You know, Freddie's back on TV talking about something that he's good at, which is cricket. KP's been shouting from the rooftops, and he's been a great cheerleader for everybody. And keep it coming, Kev, because your box office as well. Keezy's been good. Mark Butcher. I think they've all been good. Um, and you know, the women's cricket I think has benefit will benefit in time more than the men. But look, it's great. It's a great game that we love and play and talk about and enjoy and you write about. And I think it can be played in many, many different ways. And I tell you the biggest thing that I look at, I go and watch under 13 cricket three, four times a week, various teams, whether it's county level, club level, and all the kids talk about is the 100. And you see them practising the ramp shots. and they are. So if they're doing that, cricket's in a decent place for me. Brilliant. Thanks, Sami. You've been listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show so far or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back at the same time next week, but for now, this has been the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.